Welcome to the One in Eight podcast, here where you find all things faith and concerning infertility. You also find ways to overcome on your journey. So grab a friend and tune in on all streaming platforms. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast One in Eight. I am your host, Janae, and I am One in Eight. And today we have with us... Um, attorney Katrina Brown Graham, yay! <laughs> CEO, um, trademark attorney. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for um, accepting the offer to come and educate us on um, a few things concerning the law um, when it comes to women in their infertility journey. Um, thank you, um, Katrina. I'm excited! Yay, you, Janae! Congratulations! Thank this you. This is going to be a success. <laughs> I am excited and I'm proud of you, friend. Really. So one day I was on the phone with Katrina. I was telling her about this idea and where um, I was with my journey. And I remember these words that Katrina said. She was like, friend, whatever you do, do it afraid, do it fearful, do it scared, but just do it. I don't think you realize how many women will be helped. And so here we are. Yeah. Skeptical, yay, yay. but doing it. Absolutely. I'm a excited. little anxious, <laughs> but, but we're here. I'm, I listen, this is your story. Um, it is going, people are going to be healed. People are going to, I, I'm 100% in support of this. And I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So the reason I brought Katrina on is because sometimes in the journey, um, the end of the of the road may not look like you having a child um, birth from your own body, from your own womb. It may look like adoption. It may look like having a surrogate. Absolutely. So with that being said, I brought Katrina on to talk about um, what surrogacy looks like, what adoption looks like. Um, so we're just going to get into, you know, what it is. Um, and you know, some women, they rather not have kids at all because adoption is just not something that is in their heart. Right. And that's everyone's on, um, right and opinion. But for those who do feel like maybe the Lord is leading me, to adopt or maybe the Lord is leading us to use someone else's womb to carry our child. Let's, let's talk about the, 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 the legal part of it all, because I know when I think of surrogacy, I think about that. I think it was it a Tyler Perry movie when the bow breaks. Is that a Tyler Perry movie? Maybe it's not. I don't know, but it's that the one like something he wrote. Right? <laughs> it's the one with Morris Chestnut. I can't remember who the lady actor is, but they can't have kids and they end up having a surrogate, and the surrogate is like mentally, yeah. You, you haven't seen that? I know, but I, I've seen the hand that rocks the cradle. Oh, well, I've see. Seen, like, I mean, every time you hear, you see those types of movies, there's this obsession uh, with 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 somebody's child. Yeah, uh-uh, it's scary. Yeah. It looks scary. Yeah. So <laughs> let's get into talking about, let's start with surrogacy. What exactly is a surrogate? So, okay, so before we get into that, let me just make a quick disclaimer. Um, Tell the I, people. Listen, I am not your attorney. I am giving you information for educational purposes. I would definitely tell you to consult someone who specializes um, in adoptions and specializes in this area of law. 
Um, and also because I know that God is going to do an amazing uh, thing in this podcast. I know that this is going to reach people, not just in the state of Alabama, but all over the world. And so definitely consult somebody in your area. Now, let's get to the question. Um, let's get to it. <laughs> so when you talk about what it is, basic, uh, can I just say this first? Motherhood, it looks different for everybody, right? Absolutely. Um, and it doesn't always look like uh, birthing a child from your body. And so sometimes uh, because we can't or because we don't want to, uh, but we still want a mother. We still have mother instincts. We still want to be a mother. People make a decision and decide that they want to um, have a child, right? Um, one of the ways they can do that is through surrogacy. And there are a couple of ways that, that can be done. It can be done where the the person carrying it is actually their, uh, their egg and the father's sperm and the mother is carrying that for whatever reason, or they've chosen a family member uh, to carry that particular uh, baby to term. And so mm-hmm. then it can also look like the mother and the father sperm or a donation from somebody else who is not related to either party and they carry, they can carry the baby to term. Um, so those are uh, two ways and, and you can mix it up. <laughs> I hate to say it, it sounds terrible, but it can be mixed up in a lot of different ways. It can be a family member, a non-traditional family member. But at the end of the day, there is a egg, there is a sperm and there is someone carrying it. OK, so with the I guess the the probability of there being different scenarios as to what a surrogate can look like in our state. Are there laws pertaining to surrogacy that would prevent or prohibit um, surrogacy from happening um, or, you know, like what is the state of Alabama? So there are no statutes that just spell out what the rules are that, or that are restricting uh, surrogacy as we know it. However, our state, the state of Alabama, uh, surrogacy is judged based on the contract that is written. It's considered to be contract law. And I mean, you know, to talk about a human being in the form of contract sounds pretty pitiful, but that's basically what it boils down to. And I would advise every party that is going to be subject to uh, this child to have an attorney to review and help write and draft that contract because that contract is going to spell out the expectations, uh, what happens if there's a complication, uh, what happens if somebody decides that they want to keep the baby. They've ca- mm-hmm. It may not be mm-hmm. their their egg or their sperm, but they've now grown attached um, to the child that's in that room. That contract should spell out what does that look like. Uh, you know, also in the state of Alabama, if the mother... Uh, that is carrying the child, that it is her egg and she's carrying it, the person, the father or the um, friend who's donating the sperm, if they want to be considered the biological father, they actually have to go through the adoption process. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's not just because you donated an egg. uh, And again, that's if the person carrying it is the biological mother. Right. Okay. Um, So again, that's, that's different. Um, they have to go through the adoption process. So again, it can be complicated because I don't want to generalize everything because it's really just going to depend on the facts. It's going to depend on what the scenario is, but we do know this, that people change their mind. Um, and so it's important to have well-written contracts, even in something like this, um, even if it's family, even if it's your sister or somebody else that you know and love, I don't care who it is. You need a contract. Yeah, I was just about to say, even if it's your family member, you probably definitely need to have something in writing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, the other thing, too, is that 
I think sometimes when we think of surrogacy and it sounds good because we, we do see, um, you know, look at Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union and Kim Kardashian and all these other people who have had Sarah, people carry their, um, their babies to term. I, I can assure you that they have well-written contracts. Absolutely. And uh, they were probably lawyered up on every oh, side. As soon as, as, soon, as soon as that baby came out, the lawyers was out there. Like, yeah, <laughs> they, the were, delivery they were there with the doctors to help deliver. Correct. And I think, you know, it's important for us to realize that, you know, we people, um, there are people who who can try to capitalize on these types of things and, and not for financial gain, but for emotional, right? They've carried a child, they birthed a child. And so I think it's really important to talk um, and have a conversation with whoever you choose about what are you expecting to get out of this is it financial. And that's okay because some people, you know, there are people who this is their job. They carry a baby, mm-hmm. they get paid and that's how they pay their bills. And I know some people don't like that, but it is what it is. Um, but I think it's important just to, you know, outline what the expectations are. I agree. I agree. So when it comes to we we're talking a little bit about surrogacy, but when it comes to adopting, there are stigmas with adoption. There are people that um, gravitate towards adoption. There are people um, that think that adoption is a great thing. Um, What exactly, I guess, would differentiate um, you have so you have state adoption and then you have private adoption so what exactly would you consider or what does what would you define uh state adoption as well okay so let's just be crystal clear about this when you talk about adoptions it there is a stigma to adopting right um i think a lot of times as women we have been told that motherhood looks like this and so people um sometimes are ashamed to say that i'm adopting or that I am adopted, right? Um, mm-hmm. But there's no shame in it. And I think it's important for people to see that as a viable option. And people need to know those options. So to answer your question, uh, you have state adoptions. Usually in our state, and I'm, I'm talking about Alabama, state adoptions are done through the DHR system. Um, but they're called, that agency is, is, is referred to another name in other states. But it's usually where a child has been taken from the home because uh, the child has been neglected or there's some type of abuse going on. And now the state is responsible for them. And so a person can decide like, hey, I want to mother a child uh, through the state. And so there is a process where you have to go through parenting classes. Um, you have to do a background check, criminal, uh, financial. You have to do uh, home visits and home studies. Like It's an intense process. Um, and when you do a private adoption, you still have to do the same thing. You still have to do a background check. You still have to do um, a criminal check financials. You still have to do the um, case studies and home studies and all that. The difference is, is money. Basically, it boils down to money. Um, private adoptions, you're going to pay anywhere from 15000 to about 45000 and up. It's probably higher than that if you're looking like in New York and California. But or internet if you decide. Oh, and international. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but but 15000 is the the minimum. That's with state or private? That's for, for just private. Oh, okay, Probably, okay. usually usually when you're dealing with state, there's not a whole lot of fees associated with that. But the process is so lengthy, right? Yes, yes. And also too, you have the parents' parental rights have to be terminated. So it's not people, you know, usually when um people are going through the state adoption and listen, I know plenty of people who are adopted through the state. It is a wonderful thing. But typically parental rights have been terminated because of neglect or abuse. Mm-hmm. And so you parents have a right to fight that. 
So just because a child has been abused in a home, their rights are not just automatically terminated. They have the state by law has to give them 12 months to try to get their children back. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if you become emotionally too attached to a baby or a child that's in your home and you see it all the time, I, I've seen it happen yeah, a million times. It. People are attached to children and the mom gets her life together and they come get that, the kid because yep. that's their kid. Um, and so there is an emotional um yeah, that's an emotional price. So you may not be paying $15,000, but that's an emotional price that is paid uh, through those types of adoptions. But when they work, they work. When they work, they work well. Yeah, a little bit on the emotional part of adoption. There is a book um, that we're reading um, in our small group called Hannah's Hope. And the author talks about how the emotional up and down came with, um, you know, they were this close um, for the adoption going through and then it was snatched away from them Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. I don't know she didn't really say if it was a state adoption but they were again super close and then it failed again so on top of her having several miscarriages and not being able to get pregnant then the adoption kept failing and it was just it was just gut reaching right. for so, her. Can I just say this? This is not legal advice, but let me just offer some practical advice. I think Go it's ahead. very important. Teach the people. Um, that we <laughs> interview adoption agencies if you're interested in adopting. Mm-hmm. Um, in having conversations uh, with them here there are two ways this is done the first way is um you can call them you can talk to them and then what they'll say to you is like hey uh their process is you have to create, you do all the requirements and financial stuff I mentioned earlier. Once that's done, they, you and your spouse, or you, if you're a single parent trying to adopt, uh, you put a book together and, and the parents pick you. So they go through, they look at a book of people who want to adopt and they say, okay, I want my child to go with this person based on all the things you can make a video. Sometimes they require a physical book. It can mm-hmm. look that way. Then you have other agencies where you pick, the child right like you're shopping for a child that sounds bad but you flip through the book and you um you you pick the child that you want that's available mm-hmm. the other thing i've seen is a lot of I, these are the option um, adoption agencies that i would prefer are the ones that do not call you until the time has lapsed for the parent to renege on the adoption so when you see, you hear people saying they're disappointed because they've come so close those are agencies who who tell you hey mom's in labor um, but in the state of Alabama, the mom still has five days to change her mind. Oh wow! After birth, I don't. Of course, now, I wouldn't know it. But yeah. wow, that's but we're not that's now, keep, opening. Now keep in mind, we're not talking about secrecy because that's through contract. Right. We're talking about adoption, so they still have time to change their mind. It's three to five days. Don't it's it's between three to five days. I can't remember. I guess they like when you, I know this is probably not a good example, but when you see like lifetime stories, you see them just come and whisk the baby away mm-hmm. from the mother. Trying if you want. So to. I mean, so you know, I'm just kind of like oh wow they have three to five days they have three to five days and then even in that the the father of that child that's being adopted has to be given notice so they have to and usually notice um is done through publication unless the father is there to sign off as well so there is a process to this um but what the agencies that i like and that i would go and do business with are the ones who say listen we're not going to call you until after that time is passed until after the five days. Yes, the three to five days. So you won't get your hopes up. There you go. Okay. There you go. That makes Um, sense. There you go. And then the other part too is, you know, you need to be interviewing the adoption agencies to make sure that children are uh, being given up 
ethically, right? That's the other thing to consider because, um, believe it or not, there is a big, big, especially with the new law, uh, the strike down of Roe versus Wade. You hear people talking about adopt, 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 adopt. Um, and people see this as big business. You know, I've yeah, had I'm conversations sure. with the adoption agencies about what this looks like. And you will have people, uh, there are some op- adoption agencies where you have to pay as you go. In other words, you're paying for the mother's, um, medical you're paying for them to stay in the hotel or wherever they're staying like that bill racks up there are other agencies where they pay the cost up front and after the adoption is finalized and you have to write a check to reimburse them for what they have spent so that's what i mean when i say the prices can go up that's why it's important to have um the conversations they're interviewing you but you're also interviewing them to make sure that these are things that make sense for you ethically right and that children are being given up they're not that this is something that a parent wants to do for their child's sake not because um somebody's offered them a hundred thousand dollars so in the in the process of interviewing um adoption agencies as you suggest should you be consulting with your attorney each step of the way Would would they be able to be like yeah no no, I, I think I think you can. So listen, you can always just, you know, do a consultation with an adoption um, attorney and they will tell you here just what I just told you. You got to do a home study. You got to mm-hmm. do a criminal background. You got to do financial stuff. This is not your consultation, but they're going to say exactly what I just said. Right. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, what ethics work for you. Yeah. Right. OK. And so you have to decide like there are there are nonprofit um the adoption agents and there are for profit adoption agencies and for nonprofits some tend to have better ethical rules and what that looks like. Also I'm concerned for me, one of the big concerns is is what are the race of the babies? Uh what does that look like? You know, are these mothers who um, are willing to giving up their children? Or are we just going in snatching up babies out of other countries and bringing them back to America, and- or snatching up out of hospitals in in this country? Correct. You know, and I think it's important to ask origin. You know, um, and then I think the other thing that's not legal is having the conversation about um, the type of child you want to adopt. You know, um, and I know people are like, well, you know, race shouldn't matter. It matters. It matters. It matters it to uh, a lot of people. Um, and I think it's important to be honest in your adoption uh, process because there's a questionnaire that you have to fill out and they get deep. There are things that they ask you that you're just like, I didn't even think about. Like, why would that be a factor? But they're they're getting to because let me tell you, there's a group on Facebook and all on TikTok about kids who have been traumatized through adoptions because people were not honest in their adoption process. Wow. In other words, you have white families who have adopted black kids and have forced them to live a white lifestyle and the kids don't know anything about being black in America and the level of trauma and racism that they were exposed to. Now you have success stories too. I'm not saying that that's all kids, but what I'm saying is that that's because somebody was just, I just want to be a mother. I don't care about race. I don't see race. And that's, it's just not realistic. You have to consider the the child. Absolutely. And then you have other situations where um, you have, uh, there's a one famous couple on TikTok who's adopted a white baby and they've been stopped by the police several times because they cannot understand why they have this little white guy, little white guy following them around. Like, they're like this is our son we'd have papers on him and they literally have to carry their son's papers with them because they're being stopped so that's what i say when i mean you have to have a real conversation about the type of child you want to adopt that is that's a a whole nother episode for a whole nother topic i'm sure we (laughs) could talk hours about 
um, couples of opposite races adopting right. and the effects on that child. And like you said, there are good outcomes. And sometimes that child knows nothing in the, in the instance of them having Caucasian parents and that child that is adopted is African-American. They know nothing right. of, you know, their history or, you know, it, it's just kind of like right. washed right. away or, you know, they're in this, I would say bubble um, right. that forces them to assimilate what they see and not the right, reality. Right, right, right. And it's almost scary because when they, you know, let's just say get out of high school and go to college or get pulled over, you know, yeah, yeah. they don't see what the, the treatment that they could or will get right. being pulled over, being black, um, being, you know, shopping while black mm-hmm. or, you know, I could go down the list. Of and you're, things. Talking about, you're talking about like really extreme things. I'm talking about stuff like you have a black daughter and you don't know how to comb her hair. Oh, absolutely. And, and you're, you're, you're combing her hair like you would comb your white daughter's hair. And it's, it's not, not the same. The same. Um, but I do know in, in the state of Alabama, knowing someone who adopted, they have classes because she, yep. she, didn't, about to say that. she didn't care. And I think at one point, um, they were this close to getting a um, a black baby girl. And there are classes now on hair products, you know, where to take them, get their hair braided, Absolutely. how to do Absolutely. their hair. I think now, because it's a big issue, that has been incorporated in the parenting classes that, that the state offer. Now, I don't know if it's for every state, but I do know they do have it in the state of well, Alabama. And I, and I think, too, here's the other part of it that I bring up, and I know we got to get back to the legal stuff about having an honest conversation. Because once you have an honest conversation about your motives, you will seek the resources to make it work. Yep, right? absolutely. Like, there I are agree. a million black beauty, uh beauty shops on every corner i would roll up and be like hey listen <laughs> can somebody teach me and you see white mothers who say listen i don't know what that's like can you show me i've known white mothers to go out and find black men and talk to their their black son that they've adopted about what life is like like a black man mm-hmm. so that's what i mean about having these honest conversations instead of trying to um make the kids simulate to you making sure you understand what it looks like to raise that particular child, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I know we got off on the. I know but so it's sorry, okay. Y'all. It's okay. No, no, no. <laughs> it's good. It's good. So we we talked a little bit. We've gone off and talked a little bit about state adoption. So with private adoption, like what is the difference? I think we've kind of touched on some of the high points of money, what money, <laughs> money. Um, where it's, it's just money. It's it is like <laughs> listen, it's money, but also you got to be patient. Because there are people who um, have waited five years to adopt. Now, let me just say, I don't mean to be all overly religious. I do mean to be overly religious. Go ahead. Speak believe, your piece. Go ahead. I believe the same <laughs> God that put Moses in a basket, told him, put him down, go down the Nile. Then Pharaoh's daughter got him, <laughs> sent for his mama to come nurse him. <laughs> right, right. Like literally sent for his mama to come nurse him. And she raised her own child. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to be killed. Like that same guy can out of all these kids, I will find you a child. Like people keep talking about the adoption process. Like, oh, well, it's hard. It is hard. And yes, it can take a long time. But I believe that God is specific 
in what he does for us individually, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we go through this process, we have to remember the same God that took care of Moses, the same God that will take that will bring us a Moses. And so when we adopt and how we look at adoption it's for me it's related to faith right Mm -hmm. um i don't get discouraged i wouldn't get discouraged in numbers and hearing the amount because i am telling you that god will work a situation out and i know specifically because i was talking to somebody last week about this and they were saying how they were told they were gonna have to pay forty thousand dollars for a child and maybe take up to uh three years and they were talking to somebody at church about their process this is the other top thing about closed mouths don't get fed Talking to somebody about the adoption process, and they were like, "Oh, there's a girl that I grew up in high school with who um just had a baby. She's looking for a nice family adoption. Now, they hadn't been on the list three weeks, and the Lord provided. Wow. So, mm-hmm. I, what I'm saying is that everybody's story is going to be different. But if you're scared because there may be a time issue or money may be an issue, you still have to trust the same God that has provided for so many people. And let me tell you something. What was a $40 bill turned into a $10,000 bill? And then there are scholarships out here, too. I was just That's about to say, aren't part. there grants and yes, scholarships just yes, like with yes, um, IVF? Um, of course, there are requirements yeah, and absolutely. income limits or whatever. But there are scholarships. Um yeah. That, yeah, you know, to help you adopt. And if you again goes back to interviewing your adoption agency, that you are you have an agency that is concerned about the well being of the child, but also concerned about you and your financial because you know you spent fifty thousand dollars to get the kid, and now y'all living in a poor house. Like <laughs> there has to be some type of balance in that, and so you want to find the right adoption agency that's going to tell you, hey, we can help you apply for this scholarship. Hey, we we're gonna we're not gonna rake you over the coal for this amount, and then just trust God, like. I assure you that when you trust him, that he aligns things. There are so many stories about people who were not expecting to have a child in the adoption process in the time that they did. And they've been able to do it. I have a friend, an attorney friend of mine who will not mind me sharing her story, who was spending like almost $20,000 and about to write a check and got a call that day and had to drive down the mobile and pick her son up. Oh, wow. Pick her son up. Like didn't spend a dime other than what she paid to find. That's it. I'm just saying. When God gonna the do Lord a thing, will provide. Period. When He gonna do a thing, He gonna do a thing. And I yes, think sometimes, <laughs> you know, we let the enemy make us afraid of what we've been called in, no matter what it is. But mm-hmm. instead of just trusting God, like, hey, I'm gonna operate in faith, and wherever He leads, He gonna feed, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna operate on that. Wherever He leads, He's gonna feed. It's, now that is true. Mm-hmm. If and He leads you into it, He's the Lord will. No provide. matter what it I'm, is, I'm a firm believer. In the Lord will provide wherever. Whatever or whatever it is, the Lord will provide. Look at this podcast. Now, through your story, <laughs> through your story, everything you done been through, here we are. Here we are. How many people going to be healed and blessed by this? I mean, listen, we can get back to this, but I'm just late. <laughs> I'll just late. No. I believe, I, I truly believe that someone will listen to Absolutely. this and be freed and know that they're not going through this alone. Um, And they may look like us and know that I'm not going through this alone. Absolutely. And yeah. we can have honest heart-wrenching conversations about heart matters that matter to us. And I think you brought up um, an interesting fact about closed mouths don't get fed. I feel like had I not been willing to talk to some people, Mm -hmm. not everyone knows my story, but there are people that are around me um, that I share my story with and and me sharing, oh, I know someone or I have such and such who's going through this. Oh, um, I have a friend, um, she, 
she mentioned to me, she was like, oh, I have a, a track friend that I um, ran track with in college. And she's like really big on social media. And so we connected. And so I literally just started talking to her as if I knew her, but I didn't. But because of her journey, share, she share, was able yeah. to share with me you know, what things look like, what she did and what questions to ask that the doctors really don't say much to you about. And I think it all came from being willing and open to, okay, I think I can tell this person this. And even if they do tell someone else, okay, oh, well. Well, let me ask you this. Not look like I'm interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> This didn't turn into the Katrina podcast. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Janae. I just got to ask you this. I just, seriously, do you think that it's related to shame why we don't talk about this? I think it's a two-part. Um, we've discussed this um, in a couple episodes prior. I think one of it is shame and two is, is taboo because the myth is that black women are super fertile and that's not always the case yeah, or yeah. you know you if you come from a big family like me you know all of your family has all of your cousins or uh, or your parents siblings all of them have children and you know yeah. no one talked about or seemed to have issues getting pregnant or having children because all of them have children so then when you stumble across this you're like well I really don't know who I can talk to this about because my mom had kids and her sisters had kids so and you know they have kids so it don't yeah. look like this is an issue maybe yeah. I'm isolated in this and so um oh that's good I think that that is part of I think it's two parts shame because uh, you know the a part of you um feels like you you fail mm -hmm. so th mm -hmm. that that brings the shame and then I think too you feel like you're walking in this alone like you feel like you know just Nobody based off relate. of yeah just based off of your fa family mm -hmm. dynamics and what you see I don't see anyone else that looks like me when I go to my doctor's appointments if I do I don't know them right right everybody right. you know I'm one out of 20 women I'm the only African-American woman sitting in here going through this so it's like i don't yeah. think a lot of us even know that that's a viable option though right like we, we really just started talking like publicly about this what you're going through and I, I agree and then the other part is when i'm talking about adoption that same those same two parts that you just missed is the same reason why black kids are not being adopted shame because people are, are you know are ashamed to say usually when people talk about adoption they'll say well we've already had our three kids we just want to do something good not that this is my only child through adoption. You you rarely hear stories like that. It's usually somebody already has three kids and they've gotten older and now they want to adopt. And that's and that's perfect. Kudos to you. But it's rarely told from a story of this was my first choice. Yeah. You know, this was my first choice. I, I want to be an adoptive mother. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think a lot of that is because we, for a lot of reasons, we are ashamed to say this is why I'm doing it. I agree. I, I, I totally agree with you on that. So, yeah, I think I think shame in uh, in it just not being discussed I, and, you know, reading the um, the book that Michelle Obama wrote, Becoming, she talked about her journey in mm -hmm. IVF. Um, a lot of times we may know about it, but the financial oh boy. is what knocks a lot of people out um, right. and them not knowing 
okay, yeah, I may not have the financial, but there are scholarships. But at the same time, scholarships are only offered like two yeah. times a yeah. year. So it it just becomes a cycle of waiting. Yeah. You know, okay, the the deadline may be March. If I don't make it that time, the next scholarship is September. If I don't get it that time, like it's just a It sounds long... like you about to prepare to take the bar exam. <laughs> we only take it two times a year. Like that's what it sounds like. So yeah, it's it's just it's just a process and yeah. a waiting game and I think that um I think to fear um of it, I guess the whole process. Yeah. Yeah. Two keeps people away from from having it, but the the expense, whether you are you know in the position to go through IVF or you decide that adoption is what the Lord has for you. I spoke with someone before that um, they they said they had a dream, and God told them that they were supposed to adopt, mm-hmm. and that's what they did. I believe it. Um, in surrogacy, there are women that have to do it for medical purposes, their bodies just won't allow them to carry. And so they have to choose surrogacy. So with all of those things have been said, um, we have talked about the legal aspect. We have talked about the personal (laughs) aspect. We have covered all corners. So Trina, what would be your last words of wisdom that you would give to um, and we've talked about this before. There are so many women that you know that have um, experienced child loss, um, miscarriage, um, gone, gone or going through IVF as myself. Mm-hmm. What word of wisdom would you give them as to while they're on their journey, whether it's the Lord has spoken to them to adopt or the Lord has taking them into the direction of being able to be, to have a surrogate or be a a surrogate. What would you say to that woman? You get to define what your motherhood looks like. Um, And I think I'm I'm proud of you for redefining motherhood with this podcast. Like that's what I hear being said. We're redefining motherhood uh, and what that looks like for us. Not if I never wanted to birth kid. You, you can ask my mama. (laughs) Never, I was. You never, have said that for so many years. I've never. I always wanted to be a mother. I never wanted to give birth. When I figured out how kids got here, I said, "No, nah, that ain't for me." That's the first. I'm like, "Oh no, 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 y'all can have it," you know. But kudos, you know. My sister has three kids, but for a long time, I always would say, "I'm gonna give birth. I'm gonna give birth." But I knew that that was not what I wanted. But I, but I felt like you know, society says this is how motherhood is done. And then when I met my husband and we began to have these honest conversations, I'm like, "No, we get to decide." We get to decide what motherhood looks like. So I just want to encourage whoever it is to decide what motherhood looks like for you. Um, don't let the finances, don't let the um, the talk about one in this and two in that and three in this discourage you from your, from being a mother. Because if you call it the motherhood, God's going to provide for it in whatever way is sufficient. The other part is that we need to have these honest conversations about our struggle Um when we become moms, because that's a whole nother conversation, right? That's a whole nother episode. Yeah, that, like what that looks like. But understanding that we, God has attached all women to children in some form. There are some people who just don't want to have kids, but they right. minister uh, with youth. They may minister at their church. So if God has assigned kids to you in whatever shape, form, or fashion, that's motherhood. I agree. I agree. I agree. Well, Trina, I thank you. Oh. Uh, Trina. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't got to the friend Trina, <laughs> Katrina, <laughs> Katrina Brown Graham. Thank you for joining us. Today. I'm so proud of you. What for an you. Eight.
podcast. Yes. Um, I just want to say thank you for giving us your knowledge as an attorney, um, your knowledge as a woman, your wisdom as a woman of God. Um, and I just want to close out and tell our listeners, your voice is not mute. You matter and your journey matters. Absolutely. And until next time, keep believing that you can overcome being one in eight.